Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Retro Review with Rob and Terry. I am Rob. And this is Terry. And this is episode number 61, Terry. 61. I, w- I was looking forward to this because, man, 61 was a legendary number in baseball for a long time. For what actually only ended up being 37 years. And what was that number? And the 61 was because of Roger Maris hitting 61 home runs, breaking Babe Ruth's all-time home record of 60 about 30-plus years earlier. And then along came McGuire and Sosa to bust that record wide yes. open. Yes. So, yeah, 61. They had some yeah. help. <laughs> 61 also. Great movie if you've ever never seen it. I think I have, yeah. I mean, the, the way that Maris was treated was just insane. Oh, yeah. And, man, Babe Ruth's wife just gave him the dirtiest of looks and the coldest of shoulders, man, when he, when he was getting close to breaking that record. Right. She was mad. I had a couple of, of uh, players that wore number 61. For the Bears, Hall of Famer linebacker Bill George won number, wore number 61. Bill George. Yes. Old school Chicago Bears. And then also... I hate even bringing up this team, but he's one of the most famous guards to ever play football, and that would be Dallas Cowboys guard Nate Newton, Hall of Famer himself. <laughs> yeah, I remember that dude. He had a flat top. <laughs> yep, he was. Uh, he was number sixty-one, and there's one other person who wore number sixty-one, Terry, and you know this person. Okay. Me, my freshman year in high school football, I wore number sixty-one. Ah. I was a center. I was put into the wrong position. <laughs> I think it's safe to say. Yeah. <laughs> I was a wide receiver, and I was short. I was skinny at the time, but I wasn't in the right position either, I don't think. Because when I played linebacker on the B team, they were like, oh, my God, dude can read a field and he can tackle. <laughs> I was like, all right. I was not good at center. <laughs> that was not a good spot for me. So that did not work out well. And uh, probably that was probably the reason I never went to the NFL, Terry. Uh, that's probably it. Yeah, they, because I was put in the wrong spot. position, freshman year of high school football. <laughs> that's why I didn't make it. Yeah, absolutely it. Oh man, but yeah, you went on to be what running back and linebacker or something like yeah. that. Yep. And yep. Zach After, uh, was a wide receiver too. Zach was wide receiver. Yep. I played guard my sophomore year, guard and linebacker my sophomore year. Were you and that then, big? No, I just I don't know. I guess. I had I wrestled too, so I had strong legs. I was actually pretty decent at guard, um, but I wasn't starter, you know, ready. But I was I could hold my own at guard. Hmm. Center, I couldn't get down. I just couldn't get the snap down and the all that. I could. There was too much going on. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. But I was never good on. I wasn't really good on offense. I wasn't a great football player to start. But let's 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 begin there. <laughs> I loved football, but I was not talented at it by any stretch of the word. <laughs> But I had fun playing. So I guess that's the most important thing. I guess so. But yeah, that's uh, that's the sixty ones, and we're clipping right along. And tonight we are doing the legendary, the eminently quotable Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. Arguably one of the most quotable movies ever. Got to be in the running. The amount of things that people still quote. Yes, it's got to be in the running. I think it's man that we should have we should have done that for this for this podcast. Most quotable movies. This, off the top of our heads, let's let's brainstorm a couple. Princess Bride 
has got to be in there. We're not just talking about most famous quotes. Number of quotes that made it into the uh, general lexicon. The early Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Adam yeah. Sandler stuff. Uh, yeah, those two, man, I'm still here today. Uh, office Space. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Airplane. Airplane still gets quoted. Uh, Don't call me Shirley. Caddyshack. Yeah. Yeah, there's some great ones, but this one is this is up there. It's got to be in the it's in the competition for one of the most quotable movies ever. I mean, you go through this movie and it, it play. We'll get we'll talk a lot about it, but yeah. So this we're doing uh we're doing Anchorman tonight, Terry. The Legend of Ron Burgundy. That's right. You stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> I want San Diego ones probably get tired of hearing that from their friends at this point, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, I live in San Diego. I get it. <laughs> There's one very disgusting thing about this movie. Mm. That's what it was released in 2004, Terry. Yep. You realize that Anchorman is 18 years old? That is hard to believe. I was 21 when it came out. Anchorman is old enough now to go see Anchorman. <laughs> it's a PG-13. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, You'd we'll be surprised at some of the things they say, but... yeah. <laughs> That's right. I ruined my I ruined my ugly right off the top, right off the top. That's yeah, all right. Uh, but yeah, Anchorman is what we're doing. But we're gonna get to a couple. And also tonight, Terry, we are going to push this to the end to give our listeners a heads up. We are going to give a spoiler warning, and we'll give the warning again at the end of the podcast before we start talking about it. But after we're done discussing Anchorman, we are going to do a rapid review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness which was released this prior weekend and which has already done close to half a billion dollars worldwide. No kidding. I didn't even look at the numbers. Oh, my gosh, Terry. It's it's huge. It's wow. a huge, huge movie so far. It's already in the top ten highest grossing movies of all time. It's the biggest uh, blockbuster movie that's come out since No Way Home. There hasn't been one monster movie that people no. were like, oh, my God, we got to go see this since December. And usually you have a blockbuster here and there, at least, but no, it's first yeah. one. Yeah, so we're gonna do a we're gonna do a spoiler filled rapid review of Doctor Strange. Uh, after at the end of the podcast, we will give fair warning for those of you listening to this who have not seen that yet and don't want to have it spoiled for you. We'll give you a heads up before we talk about it. But we have I got lots of thoughts on Doctor Strange and the multitude of madness, and so we will talk about that then. But the first, mul- the multitude of madness, <laughs> multitude, multiverse. I told you. <laughs> Terry and I were talking before we went, uh, before we started recording, and I was messing something up. I said it doesn't bode well for this podcast, and here we are, seven minutes in, and I've already had my first flub. Allah, I should shut up, or because I catch myself saying stupid stuff when I listen back later on. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> that didn't make any sense. That was completely wrong. We need probably need to do a fact check on the next uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, so it's not. It's not the multitude of madness, it is the multiverse of madness, and we'll be talking about it. Indeed. Well, maybe in one of those multiverses, it actually is called the multitude of madness. <laughs> no? All right. You're not going to let that one... No? That work, doesn't work? No, no. All right. All right, let's get to a couple of rants and raves before we get into this tonight. I have one rant, and uh, I'll set it up as Zeke and I had to make a run to walmart to pick up a couple of things it was i think last night and uh it was just nothing nothing crazy uh but we're standing we're going to the self-checkout line 
And as I pull up and start scanning my items, I hear an altercation between a customer and a very young, probably no older than 20 years old, girl in Walmart blue vest. And the lady at the checkout is, look, I hate to say it, <clears throat> but if I describe her, you know she's white trash. Mm-hmm. This white trash lady looks she's straight out of a trailer, you know, um, and she's talking about, well, I'm going to make sure that I talk to your manager. And Zeke just started laughing, and I started laughing because Zeke, <laughs> Zeke and Zeke's like, wow, a real-life Karen. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so that's my rant is people who go off on minimum wage staff and like these people don't have enough problems. Now, after they start yapping back and forth, and this lady's just getting belligerent, and and the other girls talking to one of her coworkers, explaining what's happening, and and the other lady just kind of finally storms out. The customer finally just storms out, and I kind of leaned in over there talking. I said, "I'm just trying to break the the tension." I said, "Well, at least you're well paid, right?" And so they both kind of laughed, and because uh, <laughs> I was just trying to ease the tension a little bit. Yeah. But that bothers me so much to see people doing that. Yeah, I hear from Sarah a lot because uh, she does deliver for Walmart, and she comes home. So yeah, this person was just flipping out on this little kid up there, just chewing them out. And it's like, God, just relax. They don't. They're not going to know the answer. And I see that sometimes at the hospital on these young kids that are on the job trained, and uh, it's like you're expecting the world from these people and screaming at them like they're going to know how to help you, right? And, like, they're in charge of making decisions. It's like, I get that at my job, too. I mean, where I patients come in and yell at me and be like, dude, I'm just here to take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here to take pictures, man. Just hey, that, All that beef, that's with them, all right? You can tell them when you get back. I, I have nothing to do with that. We've talked at length multiple times about the lack of civility anymore. It's been a topic on this podcast several times, and this is just another example of it. And uh, I don't really have that a lot. I mean, if I get yelled at by somebody, chances are I deserved it because I made a mistake delivering something or gave somebody else somebody else's mail, which happens. Sometimes things stick together. Sometimes you, you just goof up. But the ones that do make me laugh are the people that call up at the post office furious because they're missing a package, and it turns out it's not us. It's UPS. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So they... uh, that one is one that, that makes me laugh. But yeah, I'm this sure lady. The receptionist has a little list of FedEx, U, UPS, <laughs> right there at the desk here. Let me uh, give you their number real quick. Right, right. So that was my rant for this week. I got like a couple of raves. But uh, Terry, did you want to jump in with a rant? or? Did... Yeah, you know what? Uh, I know it's going to sound uh, repetitive, but yeah, the weather just jumping up to 92 today yeah. was was fun. Fortunately, I was at work the whole day and in air conditioning, so it wasn't too bad. But that heat definitely creeped in because I was down the ER for about 45 minutes. And when I was done, I was pouring in sweat. I was like, yeah. geez, the, it's just, the heat was making its way in. And yesterday, I took the day off and I just went golfing with a couple friends. And the wind was so insane yesterday oh yeah you should not golf in this wind unless you're (laughs) only playing every hole aims north or something because the very first hole we sat there and ripped into one and it hits the the wind and it just basically knocks it down we're on one hole facing the wind it was a par three only 135 yards so i'm thinking you know what eight iron seems like 
that's me using a bigger club because I can usually hit an 8-iron like 160 yards. So I'll, I'll hit this 8-iron. And I tell you what, Rob, the, I hit that ball so pure, so true. And I was like, oh, man, it's not perfect off the club. And we're admiring it because it's going right at the hole in the air. The line is just right. And we're just like, wow, that is perfect. And the wind stopped it and went stopped like <laughs> 20 feet in front of the green, hit a hill, and bounced in the water. And we we're oh, all no. we we're all for sure that it was going to be like next to the pin. We were just oh man, yeah. It was that wind was gnarly yesterday. I think we hit a drive. I hit one drive straight down the middle, and the wind blew it so hard it blew it about forty yards to the left, at way out into the rough. Wow, <laughs> I was like, geez. Yeah, that was a little rough yesterday. That's for sure. It was stupid, but it, we had a good time. And at least it was hot, but the massive breeze kind of helped cool us down. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, it's there was no warning. We went straight from having the heat on in the house to having the AC on the next day. It was it was ridiculous, insane. I hate our weather. I just want to go somewhere where it's seventy five and sunny all the time. Yep. I'd even let well, you get up, creep up to eighty, eighty five, and down to sixty, but just stay in that range. Never I'm go 72. anywhere else. I'm a seventy two guy. I like seventy two because that's what I want. It's comfortable. 72 is comfortable. But I could have a mini hot take and say that I prefer cooler weather than hotter weather. I do. I, 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 I prefer 65, though. I wouldn't want to be down in the 40s having to put a coat on every day. 40s don't bother me. Once you get down to the 20s, then I start to get a little annoyed. I can handle 40s. Yeah, especially after you've been dealing with 20s. Right. Well, I put, I put out a lot of body heat, Terry. <laughs> I generate... A lot of warmth. <laughs> so, but I got a couple of raves though. I know they're not as as uh, they're not as big of raves as I've had before. But just a couple of things. I've started watching Dexter New Blood. Yeah, and you like that, huh? I'm about six episodes in. I really like it. So really, I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Did you go back and rewatch the old Dexters? I didn't because I I was that was my plan. But for one thing, I hated the last season of Dexter, so it really didn't seem like a point. Oh, last season was trash. I, yeah. I hated it. And so, I was mad that I finished the show. I was like, I should have just stopped after like season six or something. Yeah. So I wanted to go into it kind of with... I've watched the whole series of Dexter, I think maybe... I want to say three times, at least twice for sure, but at least three times I watched it from the whole series uh, from start to finish. Yeah. And uh, But like I said, at least these... At least twice for sure. I think it was three. They fixed but, a lot of mistakes from the season eight, or the, uh, not going yet, a better direction. I think they're going to. I think that it was very un- unsatisfying. And have you watched New Blood at all? No, I don't well, have no time. The major difference between uh, New Blood and the original Dexter is instead of his father being the voice that talks to him, it's his sister. It's Deb. So that adds a little bit of opportunity and she's very intense it's just you remember her from the, mm-hmm. from the original dexter so i'm enjoying it i'm looking forward to seeing you know what happens next uh i can't wait to find see if what kind of ending they get and i don't want to give away any spoilers plus i haven't seen the rest of it so but I, i'm enjoying <laughs> it another one of my raves this week is did you catch the house of dragons trailer i did and Hopefully it's a lot better than the way Game of Thrones wrapped up. But the if if it's in line with the way Game of Thrones was seasons one through seven, I'm in. 
eight wasn't great, but it wasn't completely terrible. But yeah, I, I don't hate it like some people do. But uh, here's the thing that, that concerns me about Game of Thrones is you saw a drastic difference in the Game of Thrones series once they passed George R. R. Martin. Yeah, and so I'm worried that it's not going to develop the same. Uh, it's not going to have the same. Well, how am I trying to phrase this? Grace period that Game of Thrones had people because the story drew you in on Game of Thrones. That's the, the stuff that first season. You go back and watch that first season. There's all kinds of shocking things that happen, and those were all written by the author of the books. Now, is HBO going to be able to replicate that with House of Dragons to where you get you build up that goodwill at the beginning of the series that's going to keep people coming back throughout it? Are you going to follow that same formula where you know you don't know what to expect, or is it going to be too formulaic? And I don't think that people will stick around for that. Yeah, we'll see soon enough. I uh, I'm gonna watch it probably. Oh, I regardless. Will. Yeah, but I just hope it's decent. Hopefully, they get different writers for this one because yeah, that last season was I was just like shaking my head, like really, why are you going this direction? It just confused. Like this, it doesn't mesh well with what's happened up to this point. It doesn't it felt rushed. Yeah, it was a six episodes or something like that. It felt rushed. And it felt like you felt like they they wanted out of it for some reason. And I'm like, this has probably been your biggest draw to this network, period. And the fact that they rushed to get out of what the, the their biggest show was, I think a lot of people weren't real happy with it. I wasn't real happy with it. I could, I think it should have been stretched out. If you're going to tie everything up, you got to do it a little bit slower. I mean, the whole movie, the whole movie, the whole series before that. Man, sometimes it would take people like half the season to get from one place to the other, but the story was relatable, believable, and kept you interested. Yeah. And I've noticed a trend lately, and I don't know if this is a good trend or but it seems to be working where they have work our series our season uh finale final season is gonna be broken up into two parts. Half of it's here and then you're gonna wait a couple months and the second half of that season's gonna come out. So you get a little cliffhanger only for a couple months as opposed to waiting an entire year for the next season. Okay. And I've seen that now with a few different shows. And I know Stranger Things is taking that formula as well with their final season here in a couple weeks. Okay. It might be trying to just kind of take over the conversation because I think with streaming services, a lot of what they run into now is you miss the old days of... You know, I was talking to Joey about this or Zeke or one of them. Zeke is watching Lost right now. So I said, you know what you have to make you do is you have to remember that we couldn't watch them back to back to back like this. No. You watched whatever night it was on, and you'd have to wait a week to watch the next episode. And at the end of the season, you'd have to wait all the way through the whole summer till fall again, till where they would pick it up again to finally start watching it again. You couldn't go to the next episode. I used what, to Lostpedia after every episode and read up everything about that last episode I just watched. Yeah. Gosh, and they, all the little Easter eggs I hid throughout the episode and ex- explanations of things just so I would stay fresh. Yep. Where Zeke's at now watching it, at least the last time I kind of noticed which one was on when he was watching it, Dave. They're down the hatch. They're pushing the button. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're that, going from that there. That stinking hatch, man. <laughs> you know what that sound was, right? <laughs> the checkout line. Boop. Boop. <laughs> boop. That's what the sound is. That is what the sound is, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Terry, did you have any raves this week? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I had a great weekend, you know. I mean, Friday, went and saw Doctor Strange and ate that chicken joint in Bloomington that I've told you about. Uh, Sunday was Mother's Day. What did I do Saturday? I'm starting to forget what I did Saturday now. But I know I had a good time. <laughs> I can't even remember. It's killing me. Ah. <laughs> uh. Man, but yeah, then went golfing yesterday, so I mean, I had a good weekend. What the heck did I do Saturday? Oh yeah, I had the students' graduation for school. Uh, oh yeah, I for, saw you in a picture. One of your students tagged you in a picture. It came across my Facebook feed. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, they had asked me to be the keynote speaker, so got to type up a big long thing on my iPad, and I had a... <laughs> I always feel like when I'm speaking in front of a crowd, I feel like it's a race to the finish every time I'm reading. <laughs> so I'm always rushing. So I typed it out. I had five paragraphs. You know, I had kind of a good intro paragraph. I had a good finishing paragraph, sending them with some parting wisdom, you know. But I was reading through it, and I'm looking at the iPad like, man, I still will read through this so fast. So I took every sentence and made a big, bold block and, like, made it separated them like <laughs> all <laughs> the way down every down. single sentence and then i would take my time reading each sentence and i was like all right i think it, it went well but uh yeah i'm sure yeah pa- pastor rick was actually there which is kind of oh funny. really yeah his stepdaughter was one of the graduates okay well that's awesome yeah it was a uh, it was pretty cool i was i was honored to do it and if any of them actually listening y'all did great and you're gonna do wonderful when you guys move on into your careers. Outstanding. Terry the Mentor. I like the sound of it. <laughs> That's fun. I really enjoy it. All right. Well, did you have any uh, Guinness World Record no- uh, notices this week? I did. Uh, an Idaho man with a hobby of breaking Guinness wor- World Records achieved one of his most dangerous titles by walking 206 feet and 8 inches with a powered chainsaw balanced on his chin. David Rush, who has broken more than 200 Guinness World Records to promote STEM education, took on the record for a farthest distance walked, balancing a chainsaw on the chin. That is powered. <laughs> that is on. He said, he said, quote, I tried this record a couple of times before I officially broke it, but I was still terrified each time. And he said, I wore a helmet, gloves, a thick jacket, a neck gaiter, and long pants, but I still felt vulnerable. Well, you think? Yeah, the Guinness World Records set the minimum distance to originate the record at 32.8 feet, and he surpassed the goal by walking 206 feet and 8 inches. So that's that's almost uh, 70 yards there. I think that's one we would not try to break. No, I'm okay with not doing that one. Jeez. But... There was a lot of them on there. There was one where someone made the world's largest ballpoint pen. I was like, ah, that's that one's kind of stupid and cool. And then I looked closer, and I'm like, it was made 11 years ago. I'm like, why are you guys reporting on it now like it's new? <laughs> <laughs> and But it was all over the place. New ballpoint pen record. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not new. It's the same. Yeah, news is supposed to be new. Exactly. It's a new thing. That's why they call it the news. As opposed to the olds. The olds would be that record then. Uh, Sarah attempted the M&M stacking record. Did she? How far did you get? Uh, Two, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Got a little work to do. I didn't realize she was doing it. I heard her getting mad in the other room. (laughs) (laughs) 
So yeah, she uh, she did not she did not uh, achieve eight M and M's. Well, she's she's you know she's on her way. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, I say the most golf balls I've ever stacked on top of each other was four. That was kind of tough, but we were really me and Ruby were really excited when I did that. And she managed. Wonder. I think she she's gotten three. I used to be able to stack quarters on my elbow and, and drop catch them. Catch them. Yeah. Yeah. I've done thirty. I don't remember what my limit, what my high was. I don't my think it high was thirty was, though. My high was twenty nine for the longest time, and I, I was showing showing off for Sarah when we were first dating, and I was like, "Oh yeah, we used to do this all the time." And I think my my my, nah, I was like, my record's twenty nine. I've never been able to get thirty. First of all, it's hard to get thirty quarters in a row in your hand, then stack them on your elbow and yeah. drop your hand to catch them. But then I, I finally got thirty in there, and I got it up there, and I caught them all. Oh, dude, <laughs> I got it! <laughs> I wonder what the record is on that. I don't know, but I mean, it's got to be someone with humongous hands. True, very true. Yeah, Shaq's out there. Yeah, I did some <laughs> seventy-two quarters. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. One for every IQ point. Ah. <laughs> no, Shaq. I'm, I'm sorry, Shaq. That was that was not that was not nice. Miss Gump, uh, your boy's right under here on this line. <laughs> this is where Forrest is. Jeez. All right, well, how about uh, Terry's Hero of the Week? All right, this one is not a person this week. We have a dog named Patron. Patron. Helping to to sweep 200 explosive devices in Ukraine, Patron, the Jack Russell Terrier, recently received a presidential medal from President President Zelensky, Uh, meaning ammo in Ukrainian. Patron's handler, Mikhailo Ilyev of the Civil Protection Service, accepted the medal on the two-year-old Pooch's behalf in a news conference that included Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He said, quote, Today I want to award those Ukrainian heroes who are already clearing our land of mines, and together with our heroes, a wonderful little sapper, Patron, who helps not only to neutralize explosives, but also to teach our children the necessary safety rules in areas where there is a mine threat. End quote. Uh, he said in a statement after the ceremony, Patron has become well known since the conflict began, appearing in dozens of stories across a variety of news network and new news networks and outlets. His Instagram boasts two hundred and twenty thousand followers. Nice, nice. So I just sniffing out bombs. Who's a good boy, work, man? Who's a good boy? Until he blows one, then you're. It's puppy chow. Yeah. Oh, good little dog. Oh, well, good job, Patron. That is a pretty good hero of the week. But why don't they make cats do it? Because then nobody is upset if they if they nah. mess up. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> make for some fun fail videos. Yeah. Be watching a cat fly through the air. <laughs> <laughs> Just turning into a red mist. <laughs> Gosh. It yeah. got dark, didn't it? <laughs> Well, I mean, for one, for all you cat lovers out there, I'm sorry, but cats are most cats are stupid and pure are evil. Pure evil. Yeah, they're and I've talked about them here before. Just they're dumb. I dogs don't want anything from you. They just want their they're going to give you affection no matter what. And yes, some people say you got to work for the cat's affection. Well, I just had a long day at work. I don't feel like working for that that, that cat's affection. <laughs> True, I'm with you. I've worked for my wife and my daughter's affection. You know that's. 
where what really matters. The dog is just like, Ooh, a good too. dog, and they're going to love you no matter what. All right. Well, it is time now for Rob's hot take. I've been dreading Terry. this. <laughs> I got a doozy for you this week. Now, I'm not going to tell you what my take is until we get there because I have to walk you through the path you need to go to get you to where my hot take comes through. All right. Okay. Are you ready for this? No. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, are you sitting down? Unfortunately. What are you sitting on? A chair. All right. Tell me, Terry, what is a chair? This is a chair. It what is, is a chair. What is a chair? It is a device for sitting in uh that can be made in several different ways. Mine is a metal folding chair with a little pad on it. What makes it a chair? You said it's, it's something you can sit on? It's a device for uh, sitting comfortably in so you don't have to stand. What's the difference between a... You can sit on a desk. Would that make a desk a chair? No. What about... Uh, what's the difference between a chair and a stool? stool is a stool it's the shape of the stool i mean it's a type of uh sitting device you know a chair is this is a chair there's there's a chair there's a stool there's a bench they're shaped certain ways but is there a difference between a bench and a chair yes okay <laughs> they, they, they are shaped differently and they're purposed differently the reason i ask is because if you look at definitions of words and what we think of, we group several different things, like you're talking about, together as being one thing, even though there are delineations within that subset. You have, like you said, folding chairs. You have a rocking chair. You have a mm -hmm. padded chair. You have a dining chair. You have wooden chairs, metal chairs, plastic chairs. Um, chairs are something that definitely sit on, but you would say it's different from a stool, only because stools gen generally tend to not have a back, or if they do have a back, to still be taller than a normal chair. Uh, you would also distinguish between a chair and, say, for example, a couch. Mm -hmm. You would say they were different things, even though they're both intended for you to sit on. Okay. Uh, a rock you can sit on, but you wouldn't necessarily call it a chair. No, because a stinking rock. <laughs> and like I said, a desk is something you can sit on. You can sit on a counter, you can sit on a table, but you wouldn't call it a chair. Because it's not a chair. <laughs> right, even though you can do on that thing the thing that you are defining a chair by. Yeah, it's just what it is. Okay. It's it's a sitting device. Nice called it a device. Because Well, here's where the philosophical mind takes everything a little bit further. Oh, Why do we consider that to be a chair? Because the person that made it named it that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So if I called a chair a Snufflepuff, that, would it change what it is? If you invented it, yeah. That's what but it would, would change, be. Would it change what it is if you no. called it something different? Well, no. Okay. But it's... It's also generally considered, it's held across different languages that we would call a chair, a chair, whether you're saying it in German, Russian, French, Japanese, Chinese, Swahili, when people talk about a chair, they're generally talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. This is where it gets interesting. Okay. You've heard of Plato, right? 
Yes. The philosopher, the Greek philosopher. Okay. Yes. He has a theory on this. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's called his uh, Plato's, Plato's Theory on Forms. All right? Okay. Now, stay with me. I'm it's here. It's not going to be too bad. Just stay with me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it breaks down into a series of parts that would get you to what he would call his eternal form. One is you have a particular thing. You, uh, you, 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 you consider its essence or its function. And then that would relate to its form, which would relate to its eternal form. So, for example, with a chair, you see something that it's in this room that you're in, and you see that sitting there. You consider its essence or its function. Oh, that's something for me to sit on. That must be a chair. And then that chair is what its form is. Its eternal form would be, I'm talking about the chair you're actually sitting on when you go in to sit on it. You've already, we've already established that you're sitting on what you consider to be a chair. Yes. So when you walk into the room, you observe that there is a particular thing there, that it has a function, an, a, an essence or a function, which gives birth to its form in your mind, meaning, okay, that is something I was sitting on, that's a chair. Okay. And then that would relate to what Plato referred to as an eternal form, which is the perfected notion of what a thing is. So it's everything is building to this higher point where you have these eternal forms, which are the perfected notions of our ideas. Okay. And so meaning that that perfected form is present across all reasonable, intelligent people. Mm-hmm. To where you say, okay, well, that's what a chair is. It can have three legs, two legs, four legs. It can have no legs. It can have those rounded bars like those old uh, lawn chairs have. But we still recognize its function, its essence. We recognize that as a certain mm. form, and we recognize that as a form because it relates to a eternal form, which is the eternal form of a chair. Okay. Does that make sense? As much as it should, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> For example, to this is how Plato determined that there was only one God, is that he saw particular things in, in, in the mythology... He recognized their functions, a god of war, a god of the harvest, a god of, you know, light, a god of all these different things. And he's recognized them for their forms. And he theorized that because he recognized those forms as being gods, that there must be one true eternal form that resides in the realm of ideas and above our plane of thinking, which is why he determined that there was only one god. Okay. Uh, and so as we would look at... A chair, we recognize its purpose, we see its, we understand its form, and that makes us theorize that there must be a, a higher, perfect, eternal form of chair that we all would recognize as being a chair. Okay. <laughs> it's we're talking about how we process the world around us. I hope I'm not we're not losing all our our listeners at this point. Let me get some, on with it. Some are getting angry. Okay. <laughs> Real quick, one more thing before we actually get to my hot take. The definition of the word equal. Okay. Equal means that by the same, it's be be the same as a number or amount, quality, degree, or value. That's how we would determine what the word equal means. Yes. Um, now there's also like different usages of the word, uh, like he's equal to the task, like he's up for it, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for what we're saying, and let me get to my, my hot take now. Are oranges are oranges equal to bananas? 
No, because are they the same? No, they're not the same, right? Not at all. Would two oranges be equal to two bananas? No. Would two apples be equal to two sledgehammers? No. Why not? Those are different things, right? Exactly. Different items. That's easy to understand. This next part is not going to be as easy to understand, but if you follow logic, it is the same. When I tell you that Rob's hot take is two plus two does not equal four. I I knew this was coming. (laughs) (laughs) Two plus two absolutely equals four. No. Yes, two plus two can only equal two plus two. Which what is, is two? four? <laughs> Define two. It's the second number. It's the second integer. I am fairly decent at math. <laughs> yeah, two plus two if is you four. Have, if you have two apples, you have two oranges, you have no. two bananas, you have two cars, you recognize two in each of those things, right? Yeah, now you're starting to get into algebra where X equals apples, Y equles no, no, bananas. No. I'm just well, saying. Not, I'm not saying algebra. <laughs> that's not where I'm going. What I mean is it has a form that you recognize. If I set in front of you two apples, you would recognize there's two apples there, right? Yeah, so two plus two equals four. It, it's When you're doing it that way, you got two apples and two sledgehammers. You're saying you have four items. Right. But if two, the idea of two mm-hmm. is a thing, and we can say that it is because if it doesn't matter what you count, you can count to two. You could count two people. You could count two houses. You could count two sons if you're on Tatooine. You could count two cars. You okay. could count two shoes, two okay. bowling balls, everything. Okay. So you recognize the concept of two in the same way you recognize the concept of a chair. Yeah. Meaning, then, that it has a function that you recognize, a purpose. Yeah. It, that, gives, uh, that means you recognize it, its form. Uh-huh. So that you have the form of two, which when you would realize that that means that there is an eternal form of two that exists, that all people could recognize something that reflects it. Right? Okay. All right. That set then, that two is two no matter what. No matter what form you count, that two is always two. Okay. All right. Now, let's go to four. If you have four balls, four houses, four car- dogs, four cats, four uh, swimming pools. Okay. Whenever you count four, you always count four. No matter if you have, you recognize the four of anything. So if you have four dogs, you recognize there's four of them. That means that that four is something that you know its function and its essence. That means it has a form. So and that means it has a perfect eternal form of four that is okay. forever four. No matter how many times you count those items, you're going to get to four every time, right? Right. So that is unique and by itself four. It can't be five. Five can't be four. Seven can't be four. Two hundred and thirteen can't be four. Earth six one six can't be Earth four because four is four. Yeah. All right? I'm with you. with me now? I'm still with you. Two is two. Four is four. Yeah, th- see, that's dumb. Seven though. is seven. But eight we're talk- is eight. We're talking about numbers. We're yes. talking about math. That's that's a different subject altogether. Subject altogether. I'm you're not going to argue. Okay, go ahead. You're ahead of me. Well. We're going to where you're at. All right, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> so if two is two and two is always two. Yeah. Two can never be four, 
in any sense. Two can never be four. Right. So two plus two, just because two is its own entity, and the other two is its own entity, it can't be equal to some other entity. Consider, for example, you have two plus three equals five. So you have the 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 eternal form of two, the eternal form of three. You're saying that those two things are equal to something that they're not. Okay. Two can't be five. Three can't be five. But together they are. Together they are only to make things simpler for us. Because oh. two plus three is always going to be equal to two plus three. Well, yes. But that makes it hard for us. That makes it hard for us to convey what we're thinking or to to improve on whatever situation we're trying to improve on. So we make a mental shortcut of saying, well, that's five. It's close enough to five. We're going to use it as five. Or we're going to two plus two. It's close enough to four. We're going to use it as four. When technically we're making an illogical statement by saying that two different things are actually one other thing. Guys, just so you know, we're talking about common core math because I helped Ruby with a problem that said 2 plus 3 equals, and it had blank, plus 2, and we had to fill in the blank, and it was 3. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not teaching common core math. That's not what this is. This is an exercise <laughs> to show you that sometimes... You are, but after you don't realize I've it. You this whole, <laughs> after I've taken you this whole way... I'm taking this whole way to to basically say this is why sometimes we can't trust our own reasoning. Because by reason and logic, you can actually make the case that 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 4 when basically every 6-year-old on understands that 2 plus 2 is 4. Okay. So, but what I'm saying is if you think about it in logical terms, it makes it more complicated. Yeah, I think somebody's been thinking too much when they came up with this. (laughs) (laughs) Overthinking to death. No, I, 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 uh, I, as far as two plus two equals four, yeah, that's, I mean, that is common knowledge, and no matter how you break it down, eternal form or not, it's still numbers. <laughs> They're still just numbers, <laughs> and letters are letters, and you know, it's just the way we use them. Yeah, a chair is a chair, and yes, we can see something that resembles a chair and think that's a chair. You know, I, I get that. And something that we instantly recognize, whether it's perfectly shaped or not, we're going to identify that as a chair. But when it comes to the numbers, yeah, that's that's stretching a little too thin. (laughs) And it is. And it's done just for fun because even Plato would go on to to basically say that, yeah, that that, that we understand that that 2 plus 3 is 5. Any reasonable person can understand it in the same way, in its purest form, in the same way that that what he's talking about is purest forms of like virtue. Mm-hmm. Love, honor, courage, respect, dignity, those things. There are pure forms of that that are recognized that we're all striving striving for, so uh or should be striving towards. So yeah, that was my Rob's hot take. Two plus two does not equal four. You need to stop reading Plato. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. No, you're a dork. <laughs> I am a dork. I am oh, a dork. Man. That is true. That is a perfect example of sometimes people just overthink things to death some of these philosophers break things down a little too much sometimes <laughs> that's why philosophy never gives people answers all it does is ask more questions mm-hmm. so 
that's kind of what I like about it. Was that you're not expecting as long as you go into philosophy not expecting answers, you're going to enjoy it. But if you think any of these people are going to give you an answer for why things are, you're looking in the wrong place because it's all about learning how to ask the right questions. Right. And I question everything. Yes, you do. <laughs> I question how anybody could ever sit through Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, and not laugh out loud at least 15 to 20 times. Yeah, it'd be crazy if they, they did that. And I'll tell you what, first time I watched Anchorman, I was just like, yeah, it was kind of funny. But something about Will Ferrell movies with me, I got to watch them multiple times and they get funnier and funnier every time I see them. He has a type of humor where a lot of times you're just caught up in just observing what's happening and you don't realize what he entirely he's doing. The uh, the scene in the... We're getting way ahead of ourselves, but just to kind of uh, illustrate what Terry's saying, the scene in the phone booth where he's falling apart. The first time I watched him, I'm like, oh, that's just Will Ferrell being goofy. You know, okay, he's overreacting, that sort of thing. But the more I've watched that scene, it's one of the best scenes in the movie. Oh, yeah. Because he's just having a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the way he plays it, it's just incredible. Oh, he, yeah. It's over... It's It's weirdly... Super well-known and highly underrated at the same time. I, I can agree with that. So, yes, Anchorman. Terry, this was your choice. This is a great choice. Tell us about Anchorman. Well, this movie's full title is Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. It was released on July 9th, 2004, Rated PG-13, surprisingly. Had a runtime of 1 hour and 34 minutes. On a budget of $26 million, they grossed $90 million worldwide. And it opened number 2 at the box office and never reached number 1 because Spider-Man 2 was still dominating the box office at that time. So, You know what's crazy is about that $90 million that you're talking about. I don't know if you had this in your stats or not. That $90 million... 85 million of that was US. Oh yeah, it did not do it well only overseas. Did, yeah, it only did 5 million overseas. And uh, off the top of your head, Terry, why do you think that is? I don't know. Maybe it just didn't uh, resonate with people overseas and the the humor just didn't click and it wasn't it was 70s uh it was I don't know. I it just I don't maybe something about it didn't really click. Uh, I also do think that I think a lot of the uh, overseas market may not have the same kind of relationship with news anchors that America had. Yeah, must not. Uh, fun thing about the uh, money and how they only made five million or so overseas was Anchorman Two took a long time to get made because they saw how poorly it did overseas. That was what kept the movie companies, the production companies, from greenlighting it. And so, maybe they should have stuck to their guns. <laughs> yeah, I'll just tell you now that is my ugly. So, anyways, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves, Terry. Uh, but keep going. Give us some more about Anchorman. All right. So, unless you lived under a rock and never heard of Anchorman, it stars Will Ferrell as the title character of Ron Burgundy. He's a lead anchor on San Diego News Network. Uh, followed up here by Christina Applegate in the role of Veronica Corningstone. Then we have Paul Rudd early on in his uh, comedic days playing the reporter in the field, Brian Fantana. And then David Koechner 
playing Champ Kind on sports, and then wonderful, wonderful Steve Carell as Brick Tamlin reporting the weather. And quick, what a loaded cast! And we haven't even got to the rest of the cast. Those are just the main main five in the movie. I know. Uh, Quick synopsis of this movie: Ron Burgundy is San Diego's top-rated newsman in the male-dominated broadcasting of the 1970s, but that's all about to change for Ron and his cronies when an ambitious woman is hired as a new anchor. So This movie hit uh, a lot of the tropes of the news, and you had to be a certain age to really get the jokes that they're making because that type of news coverage is not around anymore. Now it's a 24-hour news cycle. Now you don't have anchors that just read news anymore. You have basically, unless it's local. You do have some yeah. local stuff, but uh, national news has kind of taken over the the monopoly on most of the news people consume. And now it's opinion pieces and talking heads and the Chiron at the bottom that tells you everything that's going on. Yeah, and social media is kind of giving you the updates right. on what's going on in your neck of the woods. You know, and nobody, I can't tell you the last time I w- sat down and watched start to finish the local news. It, it's been so long. It's been at least 10 years since I've watched I the local say news. It for me, too. Minimum. Because uh, there's never been anything that I really, and I wasn't ever a big local news watcher anyway, so it's been even even less that I would, and I don't miss it. And in fact, the news we get here in Kiwani is from the Quad Cities, so I have no connection to the Quad Cities. We get Quad Cities channels here, not Peoria channels. Mm, yuck. So all my local news is Quad Cities news. And so I don't even care about that. I care about that even less. So that's a, that's a big deal when you for people trying to understand this movie now. I mean, you're still going to get the jokes. The jokes are still funny. But there's a little subtle parts that you might miss if you're not, if you don't recognize where they're coming from, where they're punching from. Yeah, and I said going back to the news, it was... I, I got out before I was really I'm not into CNN or Fox News either. I just get my news online whenever and read whatever I want. I got just irritated with our local news. I, I said every time I turn on the news and I used to watch the news, it would be nonstop bad news until uh, weather and sports played. Yeah, nonstop bad news. And one day I finally had enough and I called the radio or called the news station and I said. Seriously, I have watched two straight weeks of news, and you guys do nothing but report bad news every time you do the news. There's good news out there, and you guys aren't doing it. Do good better. Doesn't no. get vote. Doesn't get viewers when it comes down yeah. to it. And for some reason, it it touched something here, and I was just like, I I got to call man. I, I mean, and that's <laughs> that's not like me, and you know me. I don't do stuff right. like that. But I got mad one night. It was I was fed up. I was like. Do better. I want to see some good stuff happening. I mean, that news isn't just bad. My news consumption is is online the same way as you. I don't watch I don't watch newscasts since we turned off cable. Um, I don't. Watch, but what I do is I go back and forth between my my go to back and forth are between uh, Fox News, the Fox News app, and Huffington Post app because mm-hmm. I figure Fox News is way on the right, Huffington Post is way on the left. And I figure somewhere in the middle of those two is where the truth is at. Or you could just read AP or so, Reuters and they go to their website and they're pretty down the middle. Yeah. Yeah, not nobody ever goes to their website. And they're <laughs> they're great. They're divided right down the middle. 
Let's check them out. I do the. You ever seen the uh, All Sides? Uh, I think it's Facebook. They have a Facebook All Sides. What they do is they they present like headlines of stories and show how they're shown in left media, center media, right media to show you the differences and how things oh, are presented. It's stupid how ridiculous our country is when it comes to news. If everybody just took, were given the facts and just the facts. Everybody can make up their own mind. But instead, we have rivaling news networks on two different sides of the fence here. And people are like, oh, I mean, perfect example. I have a patient in my room, and I may have a family member sitting in the waiting room two doors down. And I'll go over there and give them an update. And then I'm like, yeah, do you want me to turn the TV on for you to a certain channel? And it, Or they'll tell me, like, can you turn this off? I don't want to see... CNN. I, I don't want to watch CNN. You, you can put on Fox News or something else. I, I just can't stand this. Or the other way around. I do not want to watch Fox News. I, I'm sick of this. And people just are passionate about how much they hate it because they're so one-sided. And I, I hate it, and that's where we're getting at. Yep. We don't have a common set of facts that we're talking about anymore because we don't know what the facts are. We don't get told the facts and then we are left to make up our own mind. We're told how we're supposed to think and we're left on our own to go find the facts to back it up. Yeah, and you get a lot of people blaming social media for people uh, deciding how they feel about a subject when you have two massive news networks doing the same thing on television as well. So you can't just blame social media for this. It's right there in front of our faces as well. There's no down the middle even keel news network because they ain't going to get the ratings because they aren't trashing the other side they want to see the drama between the two and that's what people like it's the jerry springer only in the news network yeah and i i can't stand news is not entertainment it's news is supposed to be news yeah it's not news is news and so the world that rob burgundy lived in there really was. Your local news anchors were local celebrities. Yes, thanks for getting us back on track. Up, it was, yeah. <laughs> I remember growing up knowing like the local your local news anchors. You know, you you know you knew these guys who they were, and and uh, they were like local celebrities. Yep. You know, when you were at something and the news guy showed up, oh my gosh, that's so and so, and. uh or our, our sports, at least your sports. A lot of times for me, it was more sports because when you were going to football games, you see, you know, Jim Matson. He's out there. Ah, Jim Matson interviewed me at an event. Really? Really? Yes. Terry, tell me about your brush with fame. Oh my gosh! Ah, well, he was just starting out as a sports reporter at the time, just starting out. So you can imagine how old I was when he asked me a question. <laughs> <laughs> this was at the state chess tournament when i was five years old oh wow and he came over and asked me a question or something i i don't remember it very well i just remember seeing it on the news later and everybody getting all excited at home <laughs> saying oh there's terry <laughs> <laughs> which i took home fifth place in state nice for a kindergartner who probably didn't even know how to play completely yet <laughs> i'm sure you did yeah probably I remember fifth you out of six people <laughs> It's still fifth. <laughs> I enjoy playing chess. I miss that. But anyways, yes. Back to our sports announcers. I keep getting <laughs> off on a tangent here. But anyways, yes. Uh, we have those. You would local- see those guys. You would see those guys, and they are they're local celebrities. Yeah. Because those are one as a as a teenager. That's what I would tune into. I'd watch the news just for sports. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Same here. Want to see how the other teams did? I want. And that's the only way you found out. You didn't have somebody on the phone because nobody had a cell phone. 
Right. You'd find out later when you got home. Yep. And if you missed it, you missed it. That was it. You have to wait for the paper the next day. (laughs) So sometimes they had like a midnight or eleven thirty or something where they did thirty minutes of sports on Friday night, catching up on football. And I remember watching that thing all the way through. Well, that's the kind of local celebrities we're dealing with here when you're talking about Ron Burgundy and being the lead anchor on this. And San Diego's a fairly big city. Yeah, it's and, the biggest city in the United States. Yeah, so he's talking about that's a very big celebrity. And watching him lose his perch on top of the mountain is what adds to the humor of this movie. Yeah, because he's just, it's just easy for him having that spot. And once you throw a wrench into his situation, he just completely gets all fumbled up. Just like he's on autopilot when they run the teleprompter. Yes. And someone put a question mark after his name. Uh, and stay classy, San Diego. I'm Rod Burgundy. I'm Rod Burgundy? <laughs> that is one of the funnier, funnier gags. That's such a great job of setting up how his downfall is going to come at the end. Where they threw that little, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Profane curse word. Well, no, 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 no. The, the 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 trick. It's uh foreshadowing. They foreshadow the. Uh, oh the, yeah. The, he will read anything on that teleprompter. Read anything on the teleprompter. Yep. And so. Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> so much good about this movie, Terry. This is. I want to say, let's go ahead and talk about this up front before we dive into the movie. Because I think it's an interesting conversation. No, let's, let's let's hold it off on it. Let's let's dive into the movie. I was gonna say we'll talk about the best Will Form- Will Ferrell performance, and uh, but that's our Rushmore. So we'll talk about it when we do our favorites. Okay. And uh, but yeah, the goods in this, the the comedy in this is like a fever dream. Yep. And it's so full of ridiculous moments that should be stupid and be like you don't want anything to do with them, but they're. His charm and the, the the cast bring these moments into a place where you're like you're laughing at them. Where in real life you'd be like, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen." Exactly. The whole the fist fight between Ron Burgundy and Veronica Corningstone <laughs> should never have been filmed to begin with, <laughs> and should be abhorrent in what we know in today's society. But it's hilarious. Oh and yeah. I'll tip my hand. One of my favorite quotes from the whole movie is when they're arguing, uh, you know, with the music playing during the newscast, and that fight reminds me of it. It's because they're arguing underneath their breath while the the credits on the news are rolling and they, they can't hear them. And he says, uh, "I'm gonna punch you in the ovary." <laughs> so I just that's my uh, right uh, there in the baby maker. Yep, a straight shot <laughs> right in the baby maker. <laughs> That quote makes me laugh because it's so far out of left field and so inappropriate that nobody should ever say that to a woman. But he says it, and it's just hilarious. And especially oh. knowing the fight that they're getting into, too, is just a riot. I loved it. I, I couldn't agree more on that. That uh, The comedy that Will Ferrell brings, that the whole news team brings, for that matter. Oh, yeah. I mean... Champs are ridiculous chauvinists. They all are, except for Brick, who's just barely aware that of anything going on. Barely aware <laughs> that men and women are different things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just I, I loved all the characters, uh, especially the news crew. I mean, there was all these little side characters here and there throughout the movie. But yeah, David Koechner, Paul Rudd, 
Steve Carell, solid performances. That's an A team. That's an yes. A team. That's like that's like the '92 dream team and in basketball is, going to the Olympics. This is David Koechner early on. He had been in movies since like '97 or so, but he was always playing these small parts, and all of a sudden, he's just launched into the main cast of this movie. And Paul Rudd, he had done some rom coms. He was in Clueless, but nobody really kept in touch Friends. with Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, that was about the same time he was in Friends, was two thousand four. So, but then all of a sudden, it's like, oh shoot, there's Paul Rudd. He back in two thousand four. He's been doing this forever. Oh wait, he hadn't been doing anything for hardly eight years before that until he hit Friends in this. So, man, and he was he was hilarious, and you got to really see him strut his stuff in this movie, and yeah, you found out how hilarious this dude really is, <laughs> and I. People love Paul Rudd. He just seems like a great person to be around. Uh, there's never been anything negative written about that man. Him and Keanu Reeves, they just have this this special place in people's hearts where they can do no wrong. I know, right? And then you got Steve Carell, who wasn't even in The Office yet, because right. Office was 05, I believe. So they when? Sorry, go ahead. I say, so they hadn't even started that yet, and here he is. He had been... Uh, Correspondent on the Daily Show, I think, still at this time. Had he done Bruce Almighty yet? When did Bruce Almighty come out? Around that time. So Bruce Almighty was a revelation for him too, because he played the other actor. Right. Yeah, Evan Baxter. <laughs> yes. So uh, he, that might have been right about the same time then. Yeah. So the, anyway, yeah, yeah, you're seeing Steve Carell finally come out of the shadows, and he's going to stake a place of his own. And I guess when I said it was like the '92 Dream Team, that's a little—that's probably a stretch because that's a lot of that is hindsight still too. But you think about the names that are in there now, other than Keckner, these those other uh, names. Paul Rudd has gone on to be a major part of the MCU. He's carried two solo movies, plus mm-hmm. been a part of the biggest movie of all time. And also, you have Steve Carell, of course. The Office—you know—he's a legend now, an icon, mm-hmm. one of the most you know, most famous, popular TV shows of yeah, all time. He's an A-list actor right now. Absolutely. And, of course, you have Will Ferrell himself, who operate, who occupied a space for about five, maybe seven years, where he was generally considered the best comedic actor of the time. Yeah, all in right one there. spot. Yeah, it was All yeah. in one spot. And then you throw in Kelly Bundy to the mix. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you didn't see her for a while, really, other than maybe some rom-coms here and there and bit parts and maybe a, a failed TV show here and there. She made a couple of bad choices on movies, I think, that her to set her back a little bit. But this was a revelation, too, because she held her own with these powerhouse guys that were made up the rest of the news team. I think this reinvigorated her career, too, because she, she did a few movies after this where she was in the on the cover, you know, uh, on the movie poster, and that's a big deal. So, I mean, we, get, we can't forget about these other guys. We've talked about the other people in the movie. Uh, you got Fred Willard, who is just one of those side character comedy legends, who's never the headline of a movie, but he's... You see him in so many things, and he's always hilarious. He yep. plays Harkin, I think is his name. And then Chris Parnell's in it from SNL. Catherine Hahn, who goes on to be Agatha in WandaVision. Fred Armisen, who is SNL alum, who is great. Seth Rogen, before he yes. was before he was Seth Rogen. <laughs> <You Right. know? laughs> uh, Danny Trejo was the bartender in this movie, and hilarious in his little time on screen. Adam McKay, the director, was in this. Judd Apatow, 
said that uh, that the cologne smelled like a turd covered in burnt hair. Uh, <laughs> Jack Black played a uh, biker in this movie who who ends up kicking uh, Ron Burgundy's dog Baxter off the overpass, you know. And then uh, we got Luke Wilson who plays a rival news anchor. Ben Stiller who plays a rival news anchor on the Spanish yes. edition. Missy Pyle was in that movie who recognized the cologne at the end of the movie. Tim Robbins was a rival news anchor for Public Access. Jerry Stiller was in the bar. At, in that scene with Danny Trejo at the other end of the bar. I didn't even re- recognize he was there. And then Vince Vaughn, of course, as right. uh, Mr. Mantooth there. This is an embarrassment of riches with this with the people that are in this movie. Yeah, so many good actors. And it's I'm, crazy. You make that like five years later, and it would probably cost a lot more just to have those names in the movie. It costs you $200 million to make that movie five <laughs> years later. <laughs> right. I mean, this one's made on a budget of only twenty six million. In I know. Two thousand and four. I'm wondering if they were pulling some favors to get some of those guys in there. Well, I think, like you said, you, we, you caught a lot of those guys before they hit it big. Steve Carell wasn't well; wasn't a big name yet. A lot of them were on their the, way up. Yeah, Paul Rudd was on his way up. Dave Keckner was on his way up. You know, you had big names now. Will Ferrell, you know, carried the movie. You had Christina Applegate, who's a well known name, yep. and the other cameos you come in. You wonder how much you had to pay them to come in for. One day at work to do that fight. Vince Vaughn yeah. probably had to be there a couple. He was in a couple different scenes, but it's an amazing cast. Phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And they all make their mark. You know, it's one thing to throw a lot of cameos into a movie, it's another to have each of them have a unique place in the story that actually serves a purpose. Seeing Ben Stiller come out as the. Uh, Spanish news channel anchor was just hilarious. Now you can't do that anymore. No, uh, but it was funny. Yeah, and then everybody got the joke when Tim Robbins is the public access anchor, knowing his politics and how he is. For him to be the public access uh, anchor, everybody was in on the joke. That's an amazing feat to pull off. Yeah, uh, and speaking about all those other guys as other anchors, another one of my good. Was the Anchorman War Street War <laughs> that was unexpected? First time watching it, and you're watching it, you have no idea why they're doing it. Right? It, it it veers into the absurd so fast without any warning, and it's just you're like, "What am I watching? What is happening here?" Yeah, they they're, they're walking down an alley, and they're going to buy new suits, and they said, "Brick, you said this was a shortcut." Yeah. Well, is it a shortcut or not? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then they walk up, and there's Vince Vaughn and his crew, and then out comes Luke Wilson and his crew, and then here comes Tim Robbins, and down the stairs comes Ben Stiller. It was just like, what is going on here? And then all of a sudden, there's guys riding in on horses. There's a guy walking around on fire. Brick has a hand grenade for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. Why do you have a hand grenade? I don't know. And then he walks around while they're fighting and just holds the hand grenade out in front of him, stiff-armed, just yelling, Ah! <laughs> it's, uh, that scene is just, you're, you're in awe of it at the same time as you're trying to figure out what's happening, but you're always like, somebody, this was in somebody's head. I know. This was in somebody's head. They put it on paper. I'm watching, that's why I said fever dream early on. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Brick killed a guy. Yeah, he threw a, a trident into a man's heart. 
<laughs> a guy's riding it on a horse and Brick throws a trident at him. <laughs> I mean, this is ostensibly set in a real-life place. And then you have this scene, and it's not the only one that happens like this, but you have this scene where uh, it's something completely out of fantasy. Oh, gosh. I, I love when uh, Tim Robbins comes up and chops off Luke Wilson's arm. And it's the stupidest perfect cut. And then later in the movie, he's reporting the uh, the bear t- uh, the bear cage at the zoo, and the bear jumps up and takes his other arm. He's like, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has a much different reaction to his double arm amputation than the girl the the girl from Kill Bill when she loses her arms. You remember that? Oh yeah, a little less a little less screaming. Yeah, a little less screaming than that one. Uh, but that was definitely in my good. I love that part. It cracks me up more later on. Like I said, I was just trying to process it the first time I right. saw it. And yeah, love it. All right. Well, uh, one thing I, we, we brought her up, and really, Christina Applegate, again, I wanted to talk about a little bit because this is such a great performance from her. Yeah, it would have been very easy for her to get overpowered in this environment. You know, it's funny. I got a fun fact here. Ultimately, she was chosen to play Veronica out of more than one hundred actresses because she embodied the fifties wholesome thing that Adam McKay and Will Ferrell were looking for. No kidding, a hundred. Yeah, and other people had tried out Amy Adams, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and I, just from the couple I saw, but there's. A hundred others. Thank God it wasn't Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, they thought she was too good to play in that role. Too good. Yeah, I think she's the only ugly in Dark Knight. Yeah, they. uh, I think they were just saying that so if she heard about it, it would made her feel good. (laughs) Yeah. uh, No, Christina Applegate. I mean, she's come a long way. You see her in his. She's come a long way from Kelly Bundy. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely, because. For the longest time, you saw Christina Applegate instantly, and she's like, "Oh, that's Kelly Bundy." You watch right. this, you don't think that. You don't no, think she's Kelly all. Bundy. She completely got away from it and did a great job. I was really impressed again. Rewatching it, more so rewatching. I always thought, that, "Oh, yeah, she was funny," but as I was watching it with a critical eye, thinking of what we we're going to talk about and everything else, I realized just how good a job and how intimidating that must have been to be in a room with all those other, you know. Yeah. Behemoths. I mean, I know they weren't famous yet, but they were still. I mean, can you imagine trying to act next to Steve Carell? And this is before he was Steve Carell, you know? Right, but he's still doing all the things that made him great. Uh, yeah. Still having to go up against that. Maybe, you know, the name isn't freaking you out as much, but he's still. He's trying to talk. I'm inviting you to the party, you know? And, uh, In my. Uh, yeah. The pants party. The pants party. And then she's just like, her response is. Are you telling me that there's a party in your pants? <laughs> and her trying to work in that scene against him, that had to be nearly impossible. Oh, I'm sure they had a break several times on that one. And I read that they had to go through... Uh, it's actually right here. Many of the actors and actresses were good at improvisation. Uh, they would sometimes do up to 20 different versions of reaction lines, trying to trying out the first thing that popped into their heads. And so a lot of the things that you see on there are just one of many other things they were going to say in that scene. <sighs> this would have been... I can't imagine how 
you get through the, rec- the the shooting of this movie without you know how you, you got somebody be like okay can everybody please stop laughing we do have to get this scene you know we have to get this scene on film we've got to get home at some point today <laughs> and so uh because this uh i can't even imagine this the one-liners the one-offs all these different things going on would just be hard to work through and like okay, i don't want to belabor it but yeah christina applegate Really held her own. It would have been really hard to stand your ground against these guys, and she did it admirably. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Another good I had, and I guess we'll just let's go into it. Is the quotes we talked about this? the The quotability of this movie is second to none. I mean, we, we we've already talked about how it's, it's got to be in the running. I wrote down a couple of my absolute favorites, and I know you have more than me. I have probably about forty quotes and. I'll let you rattle off yours. I'll delete them as you say them, because I know I have. All right. Them. <laughs> I mentioned one already. This is I'm gonna punch you in the ovary. <laughs> that, I already that, deleted for it. For some yeah. reason. Oh, that's a great that, one. <laughs> for some reason, that one just makes me laugh because you, you can't say that. You can't tell a woman you're gonna punch and her in the ovary. Looking at Christina Applegate's face while she keeps smiling as he says it because she knows <laughs> the camera's still on was I loved how she just kind of sat there and took it, just like mm-hmm. Yep. No, yep. yeah. Not an accident. Uh, another one. I'm a very poor. I'm very important. People know me. Uh, that's one of my favorite ones. Uh, I have a great collection. Have a great collection of leather bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Well, the most quotable part of that is I don't know if you know this. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> I know. I didn't say that part because that one's been overdone. Well, that's so my. That, that's the one that is the most quotable part of that. But yes, probably yeah. The all around that was really good yeah. too. I like. I'm very important. People know me. <laughs> that one, I, I like that part of it. Uh, of course, another big one that everybody knows. I use this myself to this day. <laughs> Boy, that escalated quickly. Oh yeah, that was when I saw that and him lean back. I mean, it was like, oh, there's that meme right there. Yep. And I mean, seen a hundred times, but yeah, it's still constantly used. And then, like I said, I'm in a glass case of emotion because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's completely bizarre, but I love that quote. I'm just in a glass case of emotion, <laughs> so I just that I love that scene. Now watching this again, that is probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's just falling apart and just loose. <laughs> just I was I can't I don't know how somebody can do that can do that kind of acting. It just blows me away. And he, he, he did it, though, and I, I laugh every time I watch that part. Now, I'll tell you, let's go on to the rest of the ones that you've picked out, because I know I just grabbed a couple that, those, none of those are going to surprise anybody. Those are pretty well favorites of a lot of people, but. I have them in no particular order of goodness at all, so you're just going to get some random ones and some that are even better. Uh, one where Brick says, where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? <laughs> Uh, it reminds me of the of the uh, Jason Alexander as George Casanza saying, "Well, the jerk store called and said that they're running out of you." <laughs> so oh another like one of those jokes that just doesn't land. <laughs> no. Uh, one where Ron says, "Great Knights of Columbus, that hurt." <laughs> uh, I'm sure you also have a by Odin's beard or by the hammer of Thor. Oh yeah, wow, those are coming up. Uh, here's one of my favorites. No. She gets a special cologne. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. Yep, it's made with bits of real panther, so you know it's good. 
They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. Does it make any sense? <laughs> there's some there's some dialogue in between there, but I, that, that, yeah, that part yeah. right there was the part I like. I like the deadpan <laughs> response to that line. That doesn't make any sense. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. It smells like pure gasoline. <laughs> yes. It's quite pungent. <laughs> Veronica says that, ah, oh, it smells like a used diaper with filled with Indian food. <laughs> <laughs> And the Bigfoot reference as well, right in that area. Can't yeah, say. we'll leave that one out. We'll leave that one out. <laughs> but yeah, apparently they had so many to go along with. I can't even imagine. That where they just said, come up with the first thing you think of. All right, next quote. <laughs> it's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> as he's yeah. continuing That's to That's Will Ferrell. Just, I bet he, that had to be ad-libbed. Uh, here's a good one you see parents use or when they are just adults in general when they're uh, around kids son of a bee sting <laughs> I still hear self-censorship, that self-censorship yes yes uh, another one that you say this people most people know where it's at from uh, I love lamp right <laughs> that's it I love lamp I love lamp uh, yes yeah, by the beard of Zeus and great Odin's raven the new OMGs, right there. Uh, I love scotch, scotchy scotch, scotch. Here it goes down, down into my belly. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what scotch sales did after this movie took off. They probably went up. A lot of people started drinking scotch just because of Ron Burgundy. Goes down into my belly. Oh, uh, another one when he's walking away with firmness <laughs> in his pants. <laughs> Don't act like you're not impressed. <laughs> I, 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 I've heard people use that still. Yes. Oh, another. Here's another one of my favorites right here. When they're taught, when they're complaining about Veronica being hired, Brick says, "I hear that their periods attract bears. <laughs> the bears can smell the menstruation." And Brian says, "Well, that's just great. You hear that, Ed? Bears. Now you're putting the whole station in jeopardy." <laughs> Do you think this, the tie into the office of Steve Carell, this scene, you can't stop thinking about Dwight in this scene. Gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't but now that you said that, I probably will. <laughs> yeah, every time I see this scene, I think of Dwight Schrute talking about bears. <laughs> and it's a tie-in because it's Brick. He's there, and it's Steve Carell, and it throws my mind back to the office, which hadn't come out yet, of course, at this point. But now it has, and I think of Dwight Schrute every time I hear this scene. I did, I, that's one of my favorites, if not my favorite one. <laughs> uh, you got Ron calling Veronica. Say you're a smelly pirate hooker. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why don't you go back home to Whore Island? <laughs> uh, when he's trying to woo Veronica in the car. Yeah, discovered by the Germans in 1904. They named it San, San Diego, which of course in German means a whale's vagina. No, that's not right at all. <laughs> no, I don't think that's right. Doesn't it mean St. Diego? No, no, no. Uh, the, the translation was lost. No, that's exactly what it means. <laughs> it's St. Diego, yes. <laughs> also, when they're uh, yelling at the, the manager there, he said, you got Brick saying, I don't know what we're yelling about! <laughs> Loud oh, noises! <laughs> Uh, I use that one still too sometimes. Loud noises. 
<laughs> I just yelled that at Ruby one time when she's doing something wrong. <laughs> and she's like, she has no idea. She won't know if she's in trouble or not. She's sitting there confused. <laughs> uh, when Ron gets home from the party, he's talking to Baxter, his dog. He can understand his dog's barking. <laughs> and then uh, he says, huh? No, not you know I don't speak Spanish. That's my English. That's the part my, <laughs> you pooped in the refrigerator. I don't speak Spanish. You pooped in the refrigerator, and you ate a whole wheel of cheese. How'd you do that? I'm not even mad. That's amazing. <laughs> Here's one I still hear quoted today, and this is comes from Champ. I will smash your face into a car windshield and then take your mother, Dorothy Mantooth, out for a nice seafood dinner and never call her again. And then he said, Wes Mantooth says, Dorothy Mantooth is a saint! <laughs> I hear Dorothy Mantooth is a saint still. I don't know why people... Really? It, it, but people bust that out randomly. At work, I'll hear it. <laughs> I'm like, what? And last one here. No, oh, he's working out. Oh, it's a, it's the deep burn. Oh, it's so deep. Oh, I can barely lift my arm right now because I did so many. I don't know if you heard me counting. I did over a thousand. <laughs> uh, that one cracked me up too because he's just sitting there letting his arm hang like he's just this workout king. And yeah, so that pretty much wraps it up for my quotes. That's all I had. Um, I do have uh, just a bad and an ugly. I don't know about you. I do have both of those. I have a bad and an ugly. Uh, my bad, personally, is I wanted more. I know you're already given a lot, but I wanted more from the rest of the news team. I wanted more Paul Rudd. I wanted more Steve Carell. They said that when they were done, they had over three hours worth of a movie that they could have put out there, an unedited version. But I think if you did three hours of this, I think you'd get a little repetitive and monotonous after a couple. Be, it might get old. Yeah. It's very intense... In your face, right at just bang, 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 next joke, next joke, next joke, next yeah. joke. Hour that 34 minutes. Tiring. Hour 34 minutes, so yeah, you had to cram a lot in a short space. It could get tiring. I don't know. I think we could have done another 15 yeah. me, and been fine. I forgot what the extra movie was. They took a lot of the extra material and made like the right. little side movie. I'm not sure how long it is. Probably only like a half hour or something like that, but right. it's a lot but from My here. bad is... There's one part of it that seems incongruous, and you're talking about a farcical comedy. Yep. But it does seem like Veronica flips on her feelings towards Ron fairly quickly. I was going to add that to my bad, too, because that I agree. It was like she can't stand him, can't stand him, and all of a sudden, all right, don't, don't fall for someone you work with. And it's like, what? You were just hating yeah. this guy a second ago and now and the flute and it's just because he plays the flute at a restaurant and all of a sudden that's it that's what does her in yep uh which will ferrell is an accomplished flautist he has been since elementary school but he didn't do it for this movie okay but that was my bad because she really flips and just falls really fast for uh, it just seemed out of character, and it seemed like they were just trying to move the plot along really quick, and so they just had her fall immediately. And next thing you know, I mean, it, it's great comedy, but it's it's that's one part where you're like, ah, okay, whatever. Right. And then my ugly is PG-13. 
Yeah. Really? This yeah. movie's a PG-13? Come on. Yeah, as I was watching, I hadn't looked up what it was rated yet, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, it must have been a rated R. Because I saw something... That, keep in mind, I read... I watched the non-rated version, the not-rated version on DVD okay. that I own, and I'm wondering which parts of that movie were added compared to the actual movie, so... Added. That's a good point, too. He's walking away saying the F word several times, and that... Right there, you hear that their rule for that is you're allowed one F word in a PG-13 movie. Once you get right. to two, we slap an R on you. Yep. So, which is a weird dynamic, you know, whatever. We can talk about that whole what makes a movie an R-rated uh, later. It's a lot of time. Also, but. how they need to go back and retroactively rate movies. Just saying. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I'm looking at you. Airplane. There's no way that should be a PG movie. I let Ruby watch Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, well, not Close Encounters. Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, excuse me. Ray PG. So I'm like, you know what? Man, it's a scary movie and you want to watch something scary? And there's nudity and lots of language in there. I'm like, this isn't PG at all. <laughs> no. It's the same thing with Temple of Doom. You forget how violent and disturbing parts of that movie are and how like he's adult-oriented to certain scenes are. Yeah. So... I agree. They need to retroactively apply that PG-13 back on a few of them. Yeah, the uh, ugly I had, as I said before, Anchorman 2. They tried way too hard to recapture the magic. It actually has good critic ratings, but uh, like 60-something out of 100, which isn't bad, and about equal audience reviews. And if you're talking about Will Ferrell comedy, it probably should be higher than that if it's going to be actually good for us to watch it. The critics shouldn't outdo the audience score. <laughs> Right on a Will right. Ferrell movie, so I think some concepts just work once. Yep, this is one of them. Yeah, there was no need for a second one. There was some funny parts of Anchorman too. The fu- they have another battle in the second one, and it's got even more people. I think Will Smith's there, like from ESPN or something. Yeah. And and there's other I don't know. Again, okay, but that's still it's still the same joke you ran out the first movie. You're just yeah changing the people in it. So yeah. Not a great movie. Not talked about very often. It is available to stream for free. I saw that <laughs> oh, wow. on Showtime. But uh, so yeah, the uh, did you, so you had any uh, good, bad, or ugly for that one, Terry? Did we miss anything? No, all I got left is my rush. More? Oh no, I got facts. I forgot my facts. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, break out your fun facts. All right. So, uh, sir. Co-writer and director Adam McKay has said that in the first draft of the script, the story was about a plane load of news anchors who crash in the mountains and discover that the plane which they collided was carrying monkeys and martial arts equipment, leading to a battle between cannibalistic newsmen and star-throwing mon- monkeys. <laughs> w- Can we still get P- that movie? F- <laughs> Can we still get that movie? Though? I know, though. It's, it sounds like something that should be done in like a 15-minute uh, YouTube video or something. Are you kidding me? I want a 10-part Netflix series. <laughs> Eight hours of this. <laughs> yes. All right. I like this fact here. The Mexican restaurant Veronica visits with the girls from the station is named Escupimos and Su Alimento. In Spanish, that means we spit on your food. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody that speaks Spanish... Looking at the title of the restaurant, we're probably laughing, and everybody else in the room's wondering what they're laughing about. And so one of those things where I, uh, something innocuous like that gives away parts of it in the 
in the movie. But I don't. We didn't talk about this during Empire Strikes Back, but uh, the big reveal about Vader being Luke's father was not a surprise to people in Germany or it was Germany or Dutch. One of those countries, uh, Vader means father. Oh, yeah. My. And so uh, Darth Father would have been they. They already kind of knew what was going on. Well, I suppose they would. Yeah, so in this scene, we have a title of the restaurant that kind of tells a different story if you speak that language. (laughs) All right, next fact. Will Ferrell graduated university with a journalism degree in sports information. He even worked in a local news station for a time, but graduated knowing he did not want to go into broadcasting. I wonder if that's where he learned those phonetic exercises. The human torch (laughs) was denied a bank loan. Ow now, brown cow. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the one that I remember now. Yep. All right. Anchorman became specifically about journalism after Will Ferrell happened to see a 1970s documentary titled Intimate Portrait Jessica Savage. The film detailed the struggles of early female news anchors who faced sexism as they entered the industry. Farrell was highly amused by the men's obvious insecurity about women in the workplace and said, We were laughing so hard at these guys with perfect ties, admitting that they were completely freaked out by a woman coming into the news office. So, that's kind of funny. I kind of want to see that now because just seeing how dense they were back then. Yeah. It's Anchor Man, not Anchor Woman. That's science. That's a scientific fact. That's a scientific fact. <laughs> Another good champ line. All right. Do you have any more fun facts? That is it for the facts. All right. Well, let's move on to our Mount Rushmore this week. We kept it simple, and I think we're going to share quite a few, Terry. Yeah, yeah, and I got alternates out the wazoo, so... Uh, we decided to do a Mount Rushmore of Will Ferrell movie roles. And so I have my four, and I got a feeling we may share all four of these. There's a good chance. I'm looking at my alternates, and I'm thinking, yeah, they're probably all the same. And the alternates, we'll just talk about how much we like Will Ferrell movies. <laughs> yeah. Up first, obviously, I think Anchor Pan is, Anchorman's a no-brainer. Yep. That was my Might number be, one. Is, let's have this conversation. Is Anchorman his best performance? Hmm. Gosh, I loved him as well. Then the next ones. So we give away. Right, we're giving away. Let's go through our rush boards and then we'll come back to that question. Okay. Good point. Uh, I have Step Brothers up next. Brennan Huff and Step Brothers. Yes, made my list as well. Absolutely. Oh man, uh, hilarious. Jeez, just a ridiculous, ridiculous movie that is so stupid. My son's that, forty years can't... old and still lives with me. <laughs> Yes. Uh, you know what? We're not going to share because I've got one that's been small. But next up on mine would be Elf. I did not have Elf. He is an alternate, but he is the whole movie. So I he was my next one in probably. Okay. All right. So we're not going to share. We might. Not, we only might have two then. Okay. Because my final one is Zoolander. I did not like Zoolander. I really? did not like either. I tried to watch it, and I just. It was too much for me. I like. I just. I. I couldn't laugh at it. But I've only seen okay. it one time, and it's a Will Ferrell movie. Maybe I need to go back and watch it again. I, well, I was talking about Will Ferrell's role in that movie. I loved. Oh yeah, his role was pretty funny in the movie. But yeah, I just as a movie as a whole. I mean, it takes away from the fact that he was good in it. 
because I didn't care for the rest of it. All right, so we only had two then. I had we shared Anchorman and Step Brothers, and uh, I had Elf and Zoolander also on there. Terry, what were your other two? Yeah, I was surprised you didn't throw Ricky Bobby in there. Talladega Nights. I, I mean, that's another one I've gone back and watched it multiple times since then, and it's hilarious the depth he goes into to with his comedy here. It's just hilarious. Yeah, how stupid he is. The only reason I didn't pick Talladega Nights is because Will Ferrell's other characters, he's making fun of himself in the character. Yeah. Anchorman Ron Burgundy, he's making fun of himself. He's he's the butt of the joke. I felt like with Talladega Nights, there's a certain segment of the American population that he's directly making fun of. And it didn't seem the same as it didn't seem as good natured of humor as the other ones have been. I get that, but I also think that's hilarious. <laughs> it was funny, yeah. Making fun of that population. The the freak out he has when he strips down to his underwear on the track and Help me, Jewish God. Help me, Tom Cruise. <laughs> I'll never stop laughing at that line. His son's Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, man, we'd go on forever on that. I, right. Uh, last one I had was Frank the Tank, old school. Okay. He wasn't would, the lead would... role in that, but I every time he was on screen, he laughed because oh, yeah. we're going streaking. <laughs> and when they're that at the marriage, counselor was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, throughout the movie, just good stuff. And we, Blue! You're my boy, Blue. You're my boy. All right. Uh, what were some of your uh, your alternates, Terry? Uh, wildlife Marshal Will and Holly from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Ooh, that's a good one. He is ridiculous in that movie. <laughs> it's so stupid, and everybody oh, knows it. So stupid. <laughs> but yeah, I I liked his character. I was glad they got Will Ferrell to play that role. Um, let's see. Right. Another one, Chaz Reinhold from Wedding Crashers. Yes. Oh my god. I thought about that one too, but it's such a small role that, that would that's be why I didn't think it was fair. Yeah. But gosh, boy, does he own it when he's on screen that ten minutes. Mom! <laughs> Meatloaf. God, yeah. Killing it. Funerals. <laughs> Owen Wilson. Like, right. What a sleaze ball. Funerals? <laughs> really? Funerals. <laughs> that's nuts. Oh man. And then uh, Chaz Michael Michaels. It's weird that two in a row that were named Chaz. Chaz Michael Michaels from Blades of Glory. Uh, that movie doesn't get enough love. That movie is very funny. I like that movie. And I started to watch it the other day, but I didn't finish it because I fell asleep. But, yeah, that movie is a riot. And John Heater coming off point. of Napoleon Dynamite. He did yes. great in that role, too. Yeah, I loved it. And this one's kind of a cheat, but not really, because it was a movie. It came from SNL. And Steve Butabi at Night of the Roxbury. I hated that. I hated the whole. I hated the sketch on Saturday Night Live. I hated uh, the movie even more. I, I appreciate how stupid it is. And I think I, I when I want a stupid comedy, a really stupid comedy, because I'll admit, too, it is a dumb movie. It is a dumb, yeah. dumb movie. But I love that stupidity on screen from Will Ferrell in that movie. And for me, that I like it. I yeah, the movie is terrible. They, I like the skits on Saturday Night Live. Hey, how you doing? And they just start air humping the. <laughs> for some reason, man, that one just didn't register with me. I never got it. It never, it never hit home with me. <laughs> but tell me this: anytime you hear the song "What Is Love" by Hathaway, do you think of anything else 
I think of Eminem. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Yeah, because he sampled that off of uh, with a song with Lil Wayne. Oh, well, I didn't listen to it. No, I don't think Eminem. I think of uh, Night at the Roxbury, <laughs> the Batavi Brothers every time. Jim Carrey did it one, did a sketch with him, too, where he was the third yes, brother or yes. something, or a friend. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in the minority. A lot of people like that sketch. It had it stuck around for a while, got its own movie, so I'm definitely not the majority opinion on that, but it just never hit with me. Oh, I get it for sure. All right, well, that's that's those are my alternates, and we talked about uh, best Will Ferrell role ever. At the beginning of the Rushmore, uh, yeah, I think it's got to be Anchorman. Anchorman because he's not just regular guy. He's got the mustache on. He's a '70s news anchor. Step Brothers, man, so funny. He's just this immature forty-year-old guy. The Ricky Bobby, I liked a lot too, but I probably have to give it to Anchorman. For me, number two would probably be Ricky Bobby, then Brennan from Step Brothers in that order. Yeah, I, I'm thinking Anchorman. And then I would probably go second would be Elf, Buddy the Elf. Yeah, Elf is really funny movie for being PG. I get it, but it doesn't make me laugh that hard. It's because it's, because it's so PG. And okay, but there are parts of it where he goes for it, and it is funny where he tries to put the star in the Christmas tree. He jumps on the couch and attacks the tree, <laughs> or he puts syrup on everything. Yeah. <laughs> No, definitely some good stuff in that movie. I hear I hear the people saying, Hi, Mr. Narwhal. Uh, bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. I hear people still quote that every, every year. <laughs> I think that's who it has a special place because you do see it every year. It's a Christmas movie, so it comes around. That's on my list of Christmas movies that get watched every year at Christmas time. Yeah. So. It's a fun one. All right, before we get to, we'll go ahead and tell what we're going to do next week before we get into our rapid review. I almost forgot. <laughs> so, next week, Terry, here's my question for you. Well, it's not really a question so much as I'm going to say a line and see if you can tell me where it came from. Okay. This I'm, I'm trying not to make it too easy. His knees are weak. His arms are heavy. Are we doing 8 Mile? We're doing 8 Mile next week, Terry. Oh, man. I haven't seen 8 Mile in like 10 years. But fortunately, I got it back here on this shelf somewhere. I saw it when I was looking for Anchorman. We're doing 8 Mile next week, and we're bringing back a special guest. Zach. Zach. The world's biggest Eminem fan is going to be... On our podcast next week, while we do a rap a retro review of the classic rap movie Eight Mile, he coming over to my house. I can take it. He's gonna come over again okay. to our Sunnyland Studios. Yeah, which seems to get all the guests. <laughs> yeah, nobody ever wants to come to Kiwani Studios. I'm a little offended. Or try from their own house, other than your dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably what happened. Well, Zach. We're not going to try to get Zach through that process. <laughs> what, man? What? What? Hey, I, how, how do you turn this thing on? <laughs> I don't even know if they have a computer in the house right now other than the kids' laptops for school. Oh, okay. So, and he'd be trying to do it from his phone, and that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And uh, we're going to do, this is what you're thinking of. You'll have a whole week to think about your Rushmore and simple 
This is an Eminem movie. Rushmore, favorite Eminem songs. Okay. So, that's going to be next week, 8 Mile. You're going to be surprised when you go back and watch it how good this movie is. Oh, I remember it being a very enjoyable movie. And I'm actually yeah. kind of glad you picked it because I haven't seen it in a long time. And I never think about it. But I remember enjoying it when I watched it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward you to it. You made a battle rap. Oh, yeah. Get ready for my Rushmore being Marshall Mathers LP heavy. <laughs> that's not. That's probably not a big surprise for anybody. Um, so, that's what we're doing next week. We'll go ahead and thank our listeners here. We're going to go on in just a moment and do a rapid review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Multitude. This is your spoiler warning. huh? Multitude. <laughs> I said it right this time. <laughs> This is your warning. From this point on, we will be discussing spoilers from Doctor Strange and probably the rest of the Marvel Universe, including uh, the the Disney Plus shows. Turn it off. So, if you do not want to know about Multiverse of Madness, now is your time to leave because we're our rapid review begins in three, two, one. Terry, let me tell you how much I loved this movie. <laughs> Yeah, it was a very enjoyable movie, and I don't think I loved it as much as you, but I did really enjoy it. Uh, there was a lot going on, and that two hours went by pretty quick. Yes. And I had no idea going into this movie. I watched a trailer maybe once or twice when it was forced upon me in front of the, in the, on the screen, and I had no inkling that Wanda was going to be the main protagonist in this movie. None. I had a thought. I didn't think she was going to be throughout the movie. I didn't think they were going to take her as dark as they did. I thought there was going to be an issue with her, but I thought it was going to resolve quickly. And my thought was, she'll be the villain, they'll win her over, and she'll help fight off whatever the big bad is in the movie. Yeah, That's what I thought was. I was completely wrong. They turned her full heel. <laughs> she went all the way dark, and it was incredible. This is just such great storytelling. Because it's too easy to turn around. Remember, she didn't start out a hero. No. She volunteered to be uh, experimented on by Strucker. And we've heard that back in Age of Ultron. She fights against the Avengers to first. She has a, you know, a change of heart by the end of Ultron and then the rest of them. But she goes up against, she's not afraid to fight back against the other Avengers again Mm -hmm. when Civil War comes along. Right. Yep. And so, isn't she the one that tell, that accuses uh, Natasha of pulling her pinches? Yeah. So she's ready to go full tilt then, and then you see what happens to her in Infinity War. You see what happens and what she has to, what has she has to endure with Vision, yep. where she just wants some kind of a normal kind of life, and then events happen around her, and Vision is hurt, and then she has to be the one to kill him. And the fact that killing him was meaningless in the grand scheme of things has to make it even worse. Yeah. <clears throat> and then she's she's uh, she's dusted. She's blipped out for five years. She comes back. She goes to fight against Thanos. And I got to feel like she's got to be a little bit disappointed that she didn't get to take him out. Yeah. <clears throat> and so then we dip into WandaVision. And we see what's going on. And, of course, if you've watched WandaVision, then you know she takes a whole town 
captive to force them to live out her suburban idyllic life fantasy. Almost feels like that Twilight Zone episode when they, the little kid just makes everybody uh, behave and do everything he wants, or he'll kill them. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, what was the, who was the character from Heroes that was able to do that? I think it was season two. I can't remember, but oh, anyway, he was a puppet master that he could make people do things. He could control them. Well, she does that with a whole town, and she's eventually she figures out what she's doing. She comes to grips with what she's doing. And she's confronted on it, and she lets them go, and then she fights Agatha Harkness, and uh, you know she defeats her, and we think she's going to be a good guy again. Yeah. But the trauma that this woman has been through is so profound, and then as she has to get rid of her own children, granted she created them. And they grew up in like two seconds. <laughs> yes, but at the same time, she had developed a, a bond with them. Mm-hmm. In her head, they were her kids. Yeah. And you look at the the end credit scene of Wanda WandaVision, that whole season. At the very end, you see her out in that uh, field far away, and uh, another part of her is in the back room reading the Darkhold. And right. you're thinking, oh, it's Scarlet Witch just ironing out her power. She's getting smarter and smarter, and you don't really think anything of it. But if you listen carefully, you can hear uh, her son screaming, Mom! Mom! And you right. kind of see her alarm on her face, and when you uh, piece that in with this movie, it makes perfect sense now. It makes perfect sense of that Darkhold is corrupting her exactly. So, and I thought this was her acting in this movie is probably. I gotta say, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I really, really liked this movie because of the story to it. There's so much depth to the storytelling. Um, this might be, in my opinion. One of the best single performances in the entire MCU. That's hard to argue. Yeah, she uh, she just really goes for it when she's on screen. She really knows how to go up and down with her emotions pretty well. I yeah. agree with that. <clears throat> what a gut punch ending too! When she realizes that everything she's willing to to break any law, to kill anybody, to do any evil thing, to have what she wants. And when she gets what she wants, the thing that she wants hates her for it. Yeah. And is terrified of her. How does, you know, just absolute destruction, you know, that's not the right word. The way she's just destroyed in that moment. Yeah. By that that realization. It's heartbreaking. You can't, after all she's done, you're still hurting for her. Yeah, and I, I, she, it was the thing that she needed, though, more than anything, to realize it, that what she was doing was wrong. And unfortunately, it had to happen. It had to be done. And America Chavez knew that and made her look at it, made her see that. And, right. man, yeah, that was absolutely... And even the line of the, the, uh, the variant, not the variant, but the, the uh, alternate universe, Wanda recognizing what's happening and saying, just know they'll be loved. Yeah. And just another, you know, what an incredible job by her for this movie. Yeah, really good. So, yeah, she's playing two parts in that movie. And then what What do they call it? Uh, night walking? No, what? Uh, dream walking. Dream walking, thank you. And, yeah, she's dream walking in her other, other self, making right. her walk in and do some damage. 
and we'll get to that. What a part. cool concept that was for this movie too, the dream walking, the, the the notion or the idea that the dreams you have are lives you're living out in an alternate universe. That's really cool kind of way to think about it. I know it's not true, but that's pretty you know, a pretty awesome way. It's a great storytelling device anyway. Yeah, Master of the Mystic Arts and a, a powerful witch are able to interpret the dark hold into a way that they can use that to their advantage and we haven't even really talked about Doctor Strange yet. Not yet. We'll get to him. <laughs> I just want to talk. I think this this is a this is a Wanda movie. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'd say it was fairly even. Yeah, it's fairly even. But, but, for but me, to man, put Doctor Strange on the the yeah. marquee there was almost unfair because yeah, Wanda is a huge part of this movie. I was so blown away by her performance. She is you know has been be had become one of my favorite. I was most intrigued by her character because she's so powerful and her power really never got displayed in the movies. Yeah, and we got to find out who would win her Captain Marvel, so that was interesting as well. Yeah, no, yeah we found out who the most powerful was. Yeah, another question for you. Uh, does she die at the end of the movie? That, see, this is where I don't know. Um, I hope not. I hope because... not too, but I could also see it being the end. But there's this whole flash of red inside as she's being collapsed into rubble after she's destroyed the Darkhold or whatever that was. And right. Then you see a little flashlight. Is that her like canceling out everything else that all the bad she's done or whatever, or is it just that's her last flash think... and she's dead? I hope not, um, because I think she's a great character, and I think that her redemption would be a great story. Yeah. And so, but at the same time, I think win, lose, or draw, whether she's dead or alive, I think she's gone for a while. Yeah, and you, you, we can't completely get rid of him because we know now from WandaVision that Vision is still alive. Still out there. And the white yeah. Vision was given all the memories and all everything from the f- fake Vision, and he flew away. What happened to him? Where is he? What's he doing? Right. And... Why didn't he find her sooner and say, hey, here I am? And why wasn't he in any of the alternate universes with Wanda? That is a good point. I didn't think of that. And maybe it's because in every universe they go through the same thing with Thanos. Because, I don't know. Because, yeah, he wasn't there at any time. But yet, you hear on all the other universes Thanos was killed. Well, not all of them, but most of them. Right. Uh, also, and, and so let's just talk about Strange then. Doctor Strange, we see a, a great, a lot, a lot of uh, a great amount of character development for him as well. Mm-hmm. Again, his first movie was about him overcoming his ego and his arrogance, and he really didn't overcome it as so much as work around it. Yeah. And this one, you really see him confronted with it again. And I think he does a much better job of coming terms to coming to terms with the fact that he's not always needed to be the one holding the knife, so to speak. Yeah, that's the term they use in that movie. Yep. Let's talk real quick. Uh, what is going on with Strange now that he has the third eye? How affected by the dark hold is he? I don't know, but in the mid credit scene, you got. Charlize Theron pop out as a character I've never heard of before, Clea. Clea. Which there leads them into the multiverse. And the the thing, the portal they're walking through is the dark dimension. 
which yeah, was where Dormammu where, was held. Dormammu, for sure. That is absolutely what it is. It looks just like it from the first movie, and it looks like it from the video game that Ruby and I have played. So right. they're going to do something with the Dark Dimension in future films somewhere. Yes. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and he, he feels like he's completely gotten rid of it when Wong asks him if he's free of it. And he says, yeah, I feel totally fine. And then he's just going for a walk and gets collapses down on the sidewalk or on the road or whatever, and a third eye pops out. And it's like, oh, man, that's yeah. messed up. And then it just pops out while he's happy later on when in the mid-credits scene, like he's able to control it. Yeah, so it. it's going to be an interesting wrinkle to Doctor Strange. And I liked how, and we're going to talk briefly about the Illuminati and the other characters, but how they say that one of the greatest threats to the universe is to the multiverse is you, is... Stephen Strange, Doctor Strange. Yep. And you you spent the whole movie assuming there was going to be Wanda that was this greatest threat. Yeah. And come to find out that his arrogance across the multiverses is the root of so much uh, destruction and damage. Yeah. And like, wow. And he shows that in No Way Home as well. How far-reaching his powers are and how he can really cause a lot of problems if he just stops doing or he could save a lot of problems by just not doing some of these spells and letting things lie but right yeah and you see throughout this multiple universes he goes through of how he screwed up so bad his other alternate cells screw up so bad so i think it's undeniable at this point that he is going to be the leader of this second post Infinity Saga portion of the MCU. Yeah, there's going to be a new he's Avenger. He's top guy. Yeah, he's going to be yeah. uh, a new Avenger, or whatever they call it, the new Avengers movie that they're making. And they're still teasing this young Avengers stuff with Wanda's kids. And I don't know if America yeah. Chavez would fall in that since she's still just a teenager in real life, too. She's young. And Tony Stark's daughter, Morgan. Yeah, and we haven't seen her since Endgame, so who knows. Right. So yeah, with that, I just think that they're setting Strange up. He's going to be the face of the franchise moving forward for this saga, whatever. And I think that what we're looking at here is the birth. Where it's it's solidifying the fact that the Infinity Stones were the driving force between the first iteration of the MCU. Yeah. All the way up through till uh, End Game. Yeah. The next iteration, this next phase. They I can't really say save phase because they do phases for each step, but this. Arc of the MCU is going to be the multiversal arc. Oh yeah, I think so. I think that's going to be the Infinity Stones of the next what twenty movies or whatever. Yeah, however long this arc goes. Yeah, we're not going to get a finale to this until probably twenty thirty. Be a while, <laughs> which yeah. is weird to say that out loud, but. <laughs> and I'm fine with that because I think you have a lot of opportunities with this. Fact, speaking of those opportunities, let's talk about Reed Richards and Charles Xavier. Gosh, how shocked were you? when they brought up the Illuminati and they're going through and you see Black Bolt and you're like, okay, Black Bolt. I know him from the video game we play. I know he's the leader of the Inhumans. He can't talk because if he does, he will kill you just by whispering to you. And then you go over and you see Captain Marvel and but it's not Carol Danvers, it's Maria Rambeau. So yes. her friend, not not her daughter, but her friend goes on and becomes Captain Marvel instead of Carol Danvers. Uh, and then you scroll over a little bit more after you hear the voice, and there's Reed Richards sitting there. And it is 
the fan service that everybody was asking for. Yes. And it is John freaking Krasinski as Reed Richards. And, man, I marked out right there. I was yes. just chills. I was like, oh, my God, John Krasinski is Reed Richards. This is going to be awesome. I said out loud in a theater. <laughs> We're sitting there next to I'm like, yes, as soon as they showed him. Yeah, I, I definitely had a fist bump. I didn't say anything, but, man, I was like, yeah, 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 that's awesome. That one, I had heard that people were, were wanted. Yes. Everybody had said and they so, wanted it, but he had been completely tight-lipped about it. He did not give right. any clue that he was doing this. Nobody knew that he was doing this. Do you think, uh, well, let's go ahead. We'll bring up the last one, too. Charles Xavier. Which we knew was we knew coming. That from the, we knew it was coming. I wasn't sure if it was going to... If they were going to make it as big of a... They tried to even reveal it at first. Or tried to hide it at first that he wasn't going to be there. I thought maybe they tried to fake us out. Yeah. and Because he wasn't there at the beginning. And I noticed as they panned across the... That there was a blank spot in that... Uh, in their little uh, balcony. Yeah. Where they, nobody says, oh, okay, yeah, here, he's still going to come. Here's the question. We know what happens. If Wanda decimates him. We've also forgot about... You talk about uh, uh, Captain... Carter. Did we mention her yet? Oh, yes. Captain Carter. Thank God. That's from What If. You know? Yes. Another universe. Uh, she becomes Captain America, but Captain Carter, which you could just call her Captain Britain, but granted in the comic, Captain Britain, someone else completely. Right. So Captain Carter's there to round out this, this iteration, this multiverse iteration of the Illuminati. And they get destroyed by Wanda. One person takes out all these all amazing superheroes. That scene where they're talking about I think it's 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 John, it's uh it's John Krasinski talking as Mr. Fantastic and he's sitting there Reed Richards and he's saying I think he's describing what Black Bolt's powers are yeah. where he's like if he says it, you know, he can destroy you if he just opens his mouth. Yeah. And she's like what mouth? Yeah. And then the camera shows him, and his mouth is gone. I'm like, oh! <laughs> Mr. Smith, right there. Matrix. Yes! Yes! And then, this is where it gets a lot bloodier than I was expecting to get. His head explodes, implodes. Yeah. Because he tries to speak into his own head, and his head just goes, a big chunk of it caves in, yep. and he falls down. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Ruby asked me what, that, what happened there, and after the movie was over, and uh, me and my buddy who went and saw it with her had to explain it to her. <laughs> yeah. And she yeah, she was freaked out by this movie. But yes. she she enjoyed it, but yeah, it was it was a little much. Yeah. The uh and then of course, you know, Captain Carter gets cut in half with her own shield. Yeah, but no, she was putting up one of the best fights out of anybody. Yeah, too. she did. Surprisingly. Yes, she did. You got Reed Richards. And you know what? That's that that's that's in keeping with that suit because Captain America should have never had any rights to stand toe-to-toe with Thanos. No. And yet he did. Yeah. So there's something, something about that super soldier serum amplified by the goodness that's in the people who take it. Yeah. Him and her as well both were, you know, eminently good people. And I think it amplifies that good and it gives them more strength. That would be the way I would I would argue out of it. Okay. And then, of course, too, when Reed Richards dies, gets ribboned to death. Which is <laughs> wild. <laughs> yeah. And she takes out Captain Marvel like she was nothing. Yeah, and it's hard to really think that's true considering Captain Marvel can fly through a spaceship. <laughs> Thanos' giant right. ship and no problem, but this 
big statue kills her. Right. We get this. Uh, we get this. This whole look into just how powerful Wanda is when she takes out the entire Illuminati, minus Mordor, Mordo, uh, who's not even there at that moment. Yeah. Do we see John Krasinski back as Reed Richards that's going to be in the final, the Fantastic Four movie? You, you can't do this fan service and not put him in the Fantastic Four movie. It would be absolutely ludicrous, and fans would riot. He's he's Mister Fantastic. I gotta believe you're right too. Yeah, you can't you can't tease us like this and then take it. Yeah, that's just that's mean. That's just straight up mean. If you did that, do you like him as a- Reed Richards? Absolutely, absolutely. I like John Krasinski as an actor, and not just The Office. I think he's a great actor, and I think he'd do very well in that role. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on though was Professor X and how he died too. Yes, I was just I was I was leaving him to the end because how he died, but also Patrick Stewart really looks old at this point. I said the same thing. I'm like, you can tell physically that he moves like an old man, which the dude's in his late seventies, so there's no doubt there that he, he's gonna move slower. But he so really shows question. on screen, so what's your question? Yeah, especially when he was walking. Yeah. When he's standing up, he walked like an old man. And like you said, he is he is an older man. I think it's to the same rules apply to him. Is he the Charles Xavier that will be in the MCU going forward? I'd say if he is, they better start filming that soon. And right. and if they, they can't, obviously can't keep him in that role. Or maybe you have James McAvoy uh, fast forward him in age, I guess, and make him be Charles Xavier. I don't know how they're going to break it down. It's going to be something weird. But we know the X-Men's coming. It's just right. we're going to get the cartoon in next year. And I don't know. Well, I, I'm i still kind of wondering where the X-Men are going to fit into this, especially when we only got Charles Xavier in this movie. Everybody was so excited when they heard his voice in the trailer. They're thinking, oh, man, it's going to be Charles Xavier. They're going to slip Wolverine in here. They're going to do something. There was nothing. It was just this was fan service. This Illuminati was fan service, period. Yeah, it was. And well, it also gives I think it was fan service and again it shows just how strong Wanda is. And they have the the out that this was a a different multiverse. This was not Earth 616. This happened on. So we could still pull these people in from somewhere else and to where I don't know how they're going to work the story to where it all becomes centered on our Earth again. Um I have confidence that they will and I I know as much as I want to see other X-Men. I want to see Wolverine. I want to see who they have to play Wolverine. I want to see the other members of the X-Men in the MCU. I want to see their story in the MCU. But I kind of appreciate the fact that they're really making us wait for it. They're not rushing it. Yeah. I I just, I would love for him to bring Hugh Jackman in again. Uh, I know he said he's done playing Wolverine. But you can have old man Logan. I mean, that's... Yeah. That is a storyline in its own, and he can be an older Wolverine. It's fine, and he can still be awesome. He, that's what CGI is great for. He can make Wolverine still look amazing. They make Magneto look great, and he, Ian McKellen's in his late seventies or early eighties, right. and he still looks amazing on screen. I have an unpopular opinion about this. What's that? I think the X Men should be from scratch. 
No, I, I... The mutants. It's, yeah. And see, that's the only other thing. It's like... But at the same time, I don't want this James Marsden to come back and play Cyclops. I don't want Famke Jansen coming back and being Jean Grey, even though she did a right. good job in Jean Grey. The writing around it was not good. That third X-Men and movie And they're too was, old at this point. They're too old at this point for to bring him in for that. Yeah. They should be younger. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Um, Wolverine, though, I think you can have old man because it's hard to picture anybody else as Wolverine other than Hugh Jackman. and that. But if you bring Hugh Jackman in to do Wolverine, even if it's not the Wolverine that's going to be in the MCU, I think you, you it's, it's just going to reiterate the fact that the next one isn't. Hugh Jackman. He doesn't want to do it anymore. So even if you get him to make a, a brief appearance, I think you've 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 kind of ruined whoever is wearing the claws from that point forward. That's true. And Wolverine is one of the most popular Marvel characters of all time. Yeah, you better find somebody. So you, you better really have a big casting call for this and find the exact right guy because right. you can't just say that guy looked. I think he'd be a good one, and then go with him. You need to really weed this out because he is going to be the draw I agree and I think that's why they're going to go with they won't necessarily be unknowns actors like Hugh Jackman was right they're definitely going to be because MCU is is starting your scene and when they add characters these characters are big names you had Salma Hayek and Andrew uh, Angelina Jolie in a throwaway movie out of nowhere and now you've got Charlize Theron coming in as you know, what is potentially a love interest for Doctor Strange going forward, and she's a huge name. Yeah, you had Robert Redford for crying out loud in you know in an MCU movie. I think so. They may be big name actors that come in to play these roles, but I don't think there can be any of the actors we've seen portray the X Men before. Yeah, and I, that's my prediction. I, and it, some of the characters will be, but I think the main focus ones will be lesser known because. You want to start to get behind somebody. You don't want to anybody yeah. to look at this guy and think, "Oh yeah, that's so and so from this movie. That's so and so from this movie." Whereas the side characters, you can do that with the the big stars, uh, the big the big bads. I mean, the big villains. A lot of times, it's like, "Okay, Michael Keaton's the bad guy. <laughs> that's cool," you know. And you can do that kind of thing. Jake Gyllenhaal's the bad guy. I know Jake Gyllenhaal from a hundred other things. I know Michael Keaton right. from 100 other things. That's one movie they're going to be in. We can move on from this. Whereas with Wolverine, you want somebody that's going to be a mainstay in that role, which I think will be at least a lesser known. I'm almost guaranteed for his role at least. Maybe not for the other X-Men, but at least for his. I'm excited going forward because Spider-Man, I, guess, I think I mentioned this when Spider-Man was coming out, that, that Spider-Man needed to be a home run because the MCU, I felt, had kind of misfired on a couple of things um black widow's gotten better each time i've watched it yeah i've watched it twice and out of the i theater, thought the second time was even better yeah coming out of the theater i wasn't overly impressed i thought it was just fine now it's gotten better on multiple viewings i still have not forced myself to watch eternals again i sat down and started to i'm like i don't want to do this yeah and so uh i watched it a second time and it it, it does have its big flaws being uh, too long that that I absolutely agree with, but I enjoyed it as a whole. I mean, it it wasn't a terrible movie, but yeah, it's just that was its big flaw. It's so long, and it does at it's some point kind I'll of give slow. it another shot. It is kind of slow, and yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, maybe it will pan out, and we'll think, hey, this is actually a pretty darn good movie. And there's been a couple of the Disney Plus series that have been home runs. Uh, 
A couple of them have been good, not great. Uh, I haven't. I'm not through with it yet. I've still got two more to go, but I've not been overly impressed with Moon Knight. Um, uh, I mean, it's fine, but I don't leave an episode in like like like. Oh my god, see what happens. I gotta watch the next one. That hasn't really happened with me yet on Moon Knight. Now I understand maybe it's not for everybody, and not everything's always gonna be for everybody, and taste will differ. Yeah. But I was. But what really is I'm still excited about though is the fact that Spider Man and now Doctor Strange have reestablished that the MCU, when they do it, they can do it like no other. Yeah, they sure can. All right, I also got to mention one other thing here. Zombie Doctor Strange. <laughs> How cool was it when those demons were attacking him that you can hear, uh, what's her name, Christine, talking to his other self saying, you're doc- you, you can control this. I mean, you're, you're Doctor Strange. Right. You can do this. Yeah. Uh, and so he controls the demons until they all turn in to his cape yeah. or his cloak. And it's like the, his cloak is just a band of demons kind of falling all right. over each other, which was just cool. It was, yeah, that was a cool part of the movie. It just looks really cool. I liked it. I really, really like this movie and I cannot wait for a chance to watch it again. I can't wait for it to come to Disney plus, so I can watch it again and watch it a couple times after that again, too, because there's so many things that I want to see again and maybe things I might have missed because mm. I was too busy being excited about the thing before it. Uh, so I read that it's going to be on Disney Plus on July 9th on one website and then anywhere between June 20th and like July 15th on another website today. I read that. Okay, so summertime. Yeah, it's only two months away, and it'll be Yeah, it's not available. bad, so that's not going to be a huge wait, so uh, I, I can't wait. That's going to be fun to rewatch. And I'm excited about the MCU going forward. I'm excited about, it's, I think that it's establishing that the multiverse is going to be the new uh, MacGuffin, or whatever, so to speak, for the movie. That's the thing, is gonna be, it's going to be the driving narrative going forward for this section of the MCU overall. Now you can see why I was looking forward to this movie more than anything other for two years when I said that last yeah. week, I was like, this is the one I have been waiting for. I wasn't waiting for Spider-Man. I was waiting for this one because I knew it was going to be wild. And wild it was, it was and important at the same time. And I loved it. I really did. I really liked this movie. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's thank our listeners once again for hanging out with us and staying a little extra with us again tonight. And letting us talk to you about Doctor Strange and the multitude. God, shut up. (laughs) The multiverse of madness. So we want to thank you all for hanging out with us. And we hope you enjoyed as much as we love doing it. Next week, Terry, it's 8 Mile. 8 Mile. Get ready to battle rap. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, to all our listeners out there, we want to thank you once again. For Retro Review with Rob and Terry, I am Rob. And this is Terry. God bless you and good night.